0: Welcome to the Agile Coffee Podcast. This is episode 33. Agile.
1: Coffee. Agile. Coffee.
0: Hi, and welcome again to the Agile Coffee Podcast. My name is Victor Bonacci, and you can reach me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. Visit the website agilecoffee.com for show notes, posts, and links to previous recordings. Today's episode, episode 33, was recorded in Seattle, Washington. I went to the Scrum Alliance's Scrum Coaching Retreat that was held from June 22nd to the 24th, and I had the opportunity to sit down with a handful of other coaches and do a lean coffee session. You'll hear one of the topics brought up was all about podcasting. And so in the show notes on the website at agilecoffee.com episode 33, you'll find the full list of all different equipment and techniques that I use to put together this podcast. We'll save more details to the very end, where I'll give you a little bit more of my own tips and tricks, as well as some of the reasons that I do podcasting and and listen to a lot of podcasts. A little bit, though, about the retreat itself. Scrum coaching retreats have been going on for about five or six years. And the Scrum Alliance gathers coaches together so that the coaches can plan, self-organize, and collaborate to build wonderful, beautiful coaching creations. The first two days were very much self-organized. So we would pitch projects to each other and then decide which team we wanted to choose. Once on the team, you self-organized, you chose a Scrum Master, had someone serve as the product owner and worked in three iterations that in our case were spread out over two days. So we got a lot of things done and demoed at the end of each iteration. And then, at the end of the two days, we displayed or demoed our final projects. The third day of the coaching retreat was run in open space format, and that was a treat in and of itself. I met a lot of fantastic people. There were about 75 or 80 of us there, and it was run very well. So kudos to the organizers and much gratitude to the participants as well. If you have the chance, I wholeheartedly recommend going to the Scrum Alliance's website and finding out when the next Scrum retreat is. You should make a point of being there. And now, without further ado, a lean coffee with some of the participants. All right. So, welcome again to the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 33. Uh, My name is Vic Bonacci. I'm at Agile Coffee on Twitter. Um, Today, I'm coming. uh, This podcast is being recorded in Seattle at the Scrum Alliance's coaching retreat. Um, It's a three day event, and it's been a lot of fun, but we are in the, uh, in the last hour or so of the retreat. So hopefully there's some good discussion that we can share based on what we've seen happen over the last couple of days. Um, around the table, I've got plenty of people who have not yet participated in the podcast, so that makes me excited uh, to get more people involved in the conversation. Uh, so going around, starting on my left, I have Dan from Solutions IQ. You're an Agile coach. Yeah, well, that's correct. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, CD, who's probably traveled the longest distance to get yeah. here. You uh, bet. CD works at Assurity in New Zealand.
2: Yeah, hi, welcome.
0: Uh, welcome to you too. Um, Kelly, uh, Kelly's a coach, uh, in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area. That's that's right, in Palo Alto. Palo Alto, okay. Great, great retreat area. It is, it's a lot of fun, it's good. Um, Max, Max Lamers, and you're a coach, scrum master? I am
3: a coach at uh, TransUnion right now in Chicago.
0: TransUnion, okay, thank you. and and Jeff is at RMC Learning Solutions.
1: Correct. To to you. Project manager trying to be oh. agile. How's so. that?
0: That sounds great. I think we're all trying. Yeah. And uh, and Dr. Dave.
4: It's good to be back.
0: Thanks, Vic. Dr. Dave can be reached on Twitter at drdaveinfo. So um, we've got a number of topics here on the table in front of us. Uh, we've already voted, and so we're just going to dive right into our first topic. We'll give it a five-minute time box and see how it goes from there. But it says, Overcoming Team Dysfunctions at the Scrum Coaching Retreat. And this uh, got a lot of votes. So, <laughs> Dave, why don't you start us
4: off with <laughs> I, I laugh about this because I, I see that most of the teams here have had that experience of, of how do you bring together 12 people in a team and get them to function as one? And, and there's a tremendous amount of difficulty. And no matter how you start off, if you start off with some type of a tribal activity of people introducing themselves, you may, you know, you lose lean coffee to control the flow of information and, and, and to add some level of democracy to decide what to do next, you still run into dysfunctions of people having different objectives. And so my thoughts are, it's like, Said so if I was training or, or coaching an organization or even at work, what I would do is spend some time, perhaps going over the ground rules or working agreements for the event itself. I, I realized that people did not know that they had the option to walk out the door and go somewhere else. People thought they were stuck, and they spent a lot of time wasting their time as well as other people's time. Um, I mean, at that that event, you know, perhaps is even to do an inventory as, as to what are the experience levels in the room, and what's the interest level of the topic? But I'm going to shut up now because I think there's a lot of other people who have had other experiences, and they would like to hear from you guys. So as
0: Dave, I think, already said, we didn't start this, uh, the, the three days with an open space, so we didn't get a chance to go into any of those rules, like yeah. the, the law of two feet, that normally is explained with the uh, the open space technologies. Um but still, I, I think that you're right. It could have benefited from that. So now I'll shut up.
5: <laughs>
0: yeah, I think you're spot
5: on with the comment about the working agreements. And I and my team maybe was on the exception. I think we immediately hit the ground running and worked really well together. But we actually made a conscious effort to talk together as a team on how are we going to resolve conflict, how are we going to organize our work, you know, what is the you know the things we're going to do to break the bigger time slices down into smaller things. Who's going to play what role? So we did do some of that working agreement establishment up front. And I think it paid dividends because our team worked pretty well together. And we didn't have, we all had storming, but I think we got through the storming quick Mm -hmm. and then, you know, into the the team building and then into the performing.
3: Interesting. Our our team, uh, conversely did not talk about norms or any working agreement or anything. But what we did to start was come up with what our, um, goal was, what our, where our value was going to be and get everybody on the same page as to what we were trying to accomplish. And that alone helped our team really work together. And then as we went through the sprints and we actually broke the sprints up into smaller, even smaller sprints so that we had more touch bases with each other, uh, it really kind of helped us gel.
5: Yeah, and Max, we we also had – so our product owner already had a pretty deep backlog because he had like a vision in his head for what – he was trying to accomplish in his topic area and and I think because a lot of people that were already very passionate about that topic area showed up and we already had a clearly defined vision we could relate to it gave us that shared sense of purpose which I think also helped create a a cohesive team that actually performed well
0: so that's a great point Um, our product owner has had experience at these retreats for a while this wasn't his first rodeo and he was very active in the lead-up to the retreat by kind of soliciting these topics from us, whoever was involved with the Google group, um, and sharing the the information, maybe kind of grouping some of them like that. But I think they could have gone another step or two kind of in explaining why are we collecting these topics and then what will we do with them once we get here. Probably would have helped. I found in our group that, the, um, that
1: nobody had an agenda and everybody was there strictly from um, a desire to learn more about it. And so uh, we may have started off a little slower, but, um, uh, but we didn't have anyone sort of pushing their agenda and, and driving us off to, to add in a lot of dysfunction into the group. Because sometimes, you know, you can get two people that have different agendas and you end up with a lot of dysfunction simply because of that.
2: I liked the fact that they actually said the first thing you need to do in your team is to get yourself a product owner and a scrum master. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helped people to work out, okay, somebody's obviously got an idea of what they want to achieve with this topic, mm-hmm. um, so they can be the product owner. And then yeah, the scrum master came out as well, so that will um, get the process flowing. Um, but I think that really helped set things up.
4: But you know what's interesting in my team, even though we established a scrum masters and a product owner, the tribe wanted to be the product owner and the scrum master. Everyone wanted control over what was taking place. And it took us literally through the first day, almost halfway, maybe 25% of the second day before one of the tribal team members said, you know what, you don't have to be here if you don't want to be here. And we finally agreed that we should break into smaller teams, which we were trying to get the team to do from the day before. And when we did that and we got into smaller teams, finally we started to make progress, which is a normal principle of agility. And if we had just applied some of those principles, you know, I think we would have been okay.
0: Any other uh, last comments on this topic before we move on? All right. So, yeah, a lot of great learning, and hopefully we can take some of these lessons back to our workplaces, as, uh, as you say there, Dr. Dave. Next topic we have um, says multiple formats for a three-day coach retreat. Dave, start us with this one. Yeah.
4: Well, again, I would like to see how we could improve the coach retreat. Um, I know some people had a, a difficult time with the fact that we had to come up with an output, some, some, some outcome, in terms of a document, some presentation, people are struggling with that. Um, I noticed, like, all, this is my second retreat, and I've been to other open spaces. It seems like on the last day, like, 50% is a 50% attrition where everyone goes away or there's not as much participation. And what are the formats can we use? Um, I know Kelly here and I was talking of, of how do we use, like, maybe lean coffee principles to start polling the members early, people who may participate in the event, and look at what do they want to do, what do they want to really get out of this, because this is the Fort retreat, and, you know, this is my second. I'd like to see exactly what are your thoughts, what do you think would make it better, where we can have people more engaged, and given the level of, of knowledge and experience that we have, you know, how can we make it such that the entry to all the way to the advanced, you know, individual at these events could really have a great experience. So, uh, I think one of the key things,
3: um, regardless of what format it is, is kind of a little more upfront clarification to everybody on, on what it is. Nobody, I knew, cause I, I've worked with a new, kind of what to expect, but there was no real indication on the, the Google group of really what to expect why they were soliciting topics, what the heck we were going to do with them, that they were expecting to work with those for two days and create some output. So I I think regardless of what format we use, a little more clarification around what we're doing with those three
2: days Mm -hmm. is is key. And when I was looking at the uh, retreat concept and and how it works and things. The only way I found information was actually to look at some of the other retreats that happened in the past. And they actually had websites which they created which had information about, this is the theory behind doing this. You know, you actually have two sleeps in between and your brain processes extra stuff. And I really liked that. I thought that was awesome. I'm not sure that um, in this particular retreat, they just haven't given enough information for people to understand what we're doing and why. And the other thing I found uh, was that there wasn't, it was no uh, tangible outputs or results from all this work that you know a lot of coaches have got together and done some really cool stuff in 3 days how do i know what they did and and what ben- what learning they got what benefits they got out of it because for me i had to sell it to my company to say i want to go to this retreat and out of it i'm going to get these things and you're going to get these things but it was really difficult for me to do that because there was nothing anywhere that i could see that told me that so
5: yeah i think i had two observations and some of this was through conversations with people over the last few days, a lot of people felt like they didn't really get a chance to really understand what the topics were before it came time to choosing a team. And so, you know, one possible, like, I don't think there's a problem necessarily with the format. I think if we could spend a little bit more up time up front, giving people the opportunity to present the topic explain what they're trying to get to, why they chose that topic, why they're passionate about it, give people a little bit more time to digest the different topics to make a good decision on which topic they want to join. And then I think the other thing, too, was we jumped right in, and then that first two days, you're now in with your team of eight. Um, I'm not suggesting that we flip the format and do open space day one and then do the more retreat setting day two and three, but maybe we can kind of spread it all out over time so that every morning begins with an open space and then go back into your team so that you're actually interacting with more people. Today I interacted with most of the people here at the retreat, many of whom I hadn't really had too many conversations with until today.
0: Right.
1: Do you think it would help to um, have that discussion about the various topics before people came? Um, you know, to, to maybe flesh that out a bit so that you know you're prepared... You may have three or four ideas of which topics you want to address,
5: and then you can deal with it when you show up. Um, I think, yeah, I think I've heard from some people, and myself included, you know, we didn't know what a lot of the topics meant. So right. maybe like a discussion forum or some other way for the group to collaborate and share ideas on the topics opposed to just kind of everybody submit to a central place. I bet a lot of people didn't even know what the topics were until they really got here. I'd
3: I'd be cautious about that, though, because I feel like there was not heavy participation by everyone on that group. And a lot of people came with the expectation, I think, that it started when they walked in on Monday. So if you're expecting there to be a lot of groundwork up front, you're going to have people that are clueless. Or you have to make sure that it's very explicit that that's what you're
1: expecting. Yes. I don't want to take away from the. From the retreat itself to spend, you know, an hour trying to figure out what each of these mean and, right. and that sort of thing. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't worried yeah, about I, that. But I, 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 want
5: to get into it and. Yeah. Right. but if you think about it, we gave about as much time to explain the topic and form the team for the two-day retreat part as yeah. we did for an open space topic.
1: We did, yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: It, so you're talking about maybe just a little bit more time so that people can actually understand the topics would actually help some of that.
1: What
4: would, would you recommend? We, we, we explain, you know, like when, when you get open space, you put a topic up, and then once you get the topic out there, you said, well, this is what the topic is, and perhaps just a little bit of information is what you're recommending. Possibly, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Well, these are probably great discussions that will be carried over uh, here in the next half hour. We're going to go to the retrospective for the retreat, and um, we'll be able to solve them with the greater audience, or at least... Recommend solutions. Um, we're going to move on to the next topic, though. Right now, uh, someone put uh, a topic: how to do podcasts and interviews.
6: And I think uh, Kelly, was this
0: yours that you put in? Yes. Yeah. You know,
6: I meet a lot of interesting people in the Agile community and thought leaders, and I would like to kind of uh, start interviewing them and sharing the their insights with the community. And I'm just not quite sure how to go about it. And looking forward to your recommendations. Right?
0: Sure, I. Um, I listen to a handful of good, really good Agile podcasts, podcasts that focus on agile and lean and um other related topics, coaching maybe, uh technical topics. Um and so I could recommend those. I can also say how I work, my workflow. Um you guys in the room here see that I've just got a for this case, because I'm traveling light, just a small portable recorder and a couple microphones plugged in, and I do a little bit of light editing in the background. Um, But I think maybe what might be more valuable for this conversation, especially for any listeners who are out there, are what formats would be most appealing to you. Since you're asking the question, um, you're saying interviewing people. Are you talking about, like, one-on-one people that you interview at conferences so that you can kind of get a sense of, like, um, the variety of people that you meet at conferences? Or is it more like interviewing experts in the field, maybe someone who you – either interact with face-to-face or maybe you
6: meet, like, virtually online? Yeah, Um, I I guess both. I'm I'm more thinking one-on-one and uh, an interview of an Agile practitioner or somebody that's led a transformation or an executive and what their experience was or an Agile thought leader. Um, Kind of how to just maybe the mechanics of that a little bit and how how to publish that. Uh, options And then also, if there's a way to conduct an interview via phone or online and record it, I'm just not familiar with that technology.
0: Right. I haven't used the phone, uh, phone recording technique. Uh, I know that you had mentioned to me before we went on the air here about a podcast um, that uses that, so I can't speak to that. But I think this uh, format, I've invested probably about $300 in what you see here on the table, um, so it's not significant, but it's enough that I was committed to it. Um, and again, it's portable enough. I don't even need the microphones. I could just use this device here and kind of do a one-on-one conversation, just holding it handheld or putting it on the table. Um, and I think something like that is is enough. Um, if you're talking about getting it, turning that into a podcast and having it on iTunes and Stitcher or over the web, then you want to make sure that the quality is decent enough. Certainly you can use your iPhone and the quality might be okay for you to listen back to, but you might not want to put that on the on the quote unquote airwaves um, just because you might be more concerned about the quality itself.
4: Yeah, and, and I, I could share some ideas because um, one thing that, that, that I've done before in the past is that I've done some phone interviews. One thing I, I bought was a jam box. And and so I Bluetooth with the Jambox into my phone and had another recording device. So the quality of the playback was really, really good right? because it's a little portable USB device um, and so a Bluetooth connection. And, and so that helps produce another higher audio quality. Um, but you could also use some of the video conferencing tools like Zoom right? and, and, or, or Skype right, because the quality sure. audio from those are really, really good. And then you could take those into some other cheaper form of audio editing tool and spruce those up. That's actually the
0: next yeah. uh, the next step for me is to how do I do the podcast recording with people who aren't in the room with me. Yeah. Yeah. And Skype is something that I've, I've been looking into. I just haven't used it yet. A I lot saw. of people I know also record a, a Google Hangout. Yep. And they'll publish it to their private YouTube channel, but they could save the audio and then do some editing if they want to and put that out as an audio-only podcast.
6: Is, it, is that a feature of both Skype and Google Hangouts that you can just record the session?
4: Skype, you, Skype you, you, you can. I, I know I don't spend a lot of time in Google Hangout, but I also use a tool called Zoom. You can go to zoom.us. I love their audio um, recording quality. It's just, to me, it's better than Skype. But
2: Yeah, and there's there's
0: plugins. um <laughs> Plugins for both of those. Um, for the for the Hangouts, you would record it, and I think it's Hangouts on Air or something, and it records it to your YouTube channel. Is what it does. There. So um, let's move on to what looks like it might be the last topic of the day here, which is uh, product owner coaching beyond the basics. PO coaching. So
2: I put that one in. Um, I'm interested in uh, as coaches once you've sort of got a product owner who is owning the backlog so they know they they need to prioritize that work and help the team understand it to a certain level um, how do you if they want to be you know a rock star product owner how do you what else do you need to coach them into to make them a really fantastic product owner
4: you know I, I like to think beyond scrum and 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 um, and, and go a little further in, in terms of looking at organization like uh, pragmatic marketing. and I went through their training many years ago to learn how to be a product manager uh, in, in terms of understanding better interviewing skills, how do you do better solicitation of c- collecting information, um, how to work with the organization a context that you could, Start using different type of surveying and interviewing technique to gather information in such a way that you could do analysis. You could do quantitative and qualitative type review of information that you've gathered. And I think that that is such a big gap in most product managers that I meet. Their solicitation and um, skills or elicitation skills are just like so weak. They are not bring back enough information. Um, one things I try to encourage other POs that I work with is, is to, you know, why aren't we using more rich media? You know, high-fidelity media in, in terms of going out and using a camera and capturing information so you could actually give a 3D perspective of what's really happening. Because sometimes they come back and write something down or you know, give you a user story format. But I could give you a scenario that one, one guy actually went out and captured what was going on in the field and brought it back. Before he wrote it down, the team delivered the wrong thing based on his description. But as soon as they could see it, it made a humongous, a tremendous difference. So I think there's those other tangible skills that we never emphasize, which is just good business analyst skills, period.
6: And to Dave's first point about the analytics and kind of the marketing perspective there, a lot of the lean startup principles tie exactly into that. And Jeff Sutherland has a short video on the three main pitfalls of organizations adopting scrum and the number one number two, two pitfall is that the backlog does not have a good va- business value in it and and the lean startup principles are, are a way to ensure that we're building something that customers really want so happy to talk to mm-hmm. you more about that
0: yeah. i'm glad that you mentioned that kelly because two of the sessions i was at today one was yours where you were talking about some of these uh, lean startup principles and and I could see how they should apply to this topic about the product owner and getting them to kind of be coached up beyond the basics. And the other one, CD, was your own session about um, not only impact mapping but story mapping. And that's something that I've been using with my product owners in the past too, and that's led to a lot more very rich discussions and and kind of uncovering of of the dependencies between teams before we even get started when we're just developing the backlog. Sure. So I think these are just two two of the techniques that you can use, um, but yeah, there's got to be so many more out there. you guys have any experience with any other uh, tactics to get POs more engaged or beyond the basics? You know, one other thing
3: that I, I was thinking as, as the discussion was going on is uh, different ways to determine value and prioritize the backlog. Uh, I think a lot of product owners prioritize based on hunch
2: mm-hmm. and,
3: uh, and gut rather than any sort of empirical um, process. So you know our, whether it's you know weighted shortest job first or, or some other you know empirical method of, of determining the priority of the backlog is is a good thing for them to invest time in doing.
6: Yeah, there's at least mm-hmm. ten, at least ten different prior, prioritization techniques I can kind of mm-hmm. enumerate, sure. and and some of the more sophisticated ones even use net present value,
0: the Kano method, or yeah, or Oracle the, or Delphi. I think crowdsourcing. Great. I mean that's
4: one way that people are doing that. Can there be some type of pairing, you know, that that could take place with with the product owner? I mean we do it we want to talk about it for for the software development, we do it for testing, yeah. we do it for coaching. Sure. Um, yeah. well, how about in the context of, of for the POs that you could pair them up with someone with a bit more experience that could help them move along? Yeah, that's we a been, really good point. On, we we've yeah. been actually experimenting that with my
5: current client where like there's almost a project analyst is kind of a product analyst is the role that we're using who's the more day-to-day they come with some domain knowledge but maybe don't really have a product management background and then you've got someone who's bringing more of a product management background maybe accountable for the profit and loss of that actual product itself but who has multiple scrum or agile teams so I've seen pairing done that way I've also seen the pairing be more kind of a technical product manager paired with a business product manager so that you've got the balance between new feature and development, but also making sure you're paying down the technical debt and kind of maintaining the integrity of the system that you're building.
2: So what I thought of when you said that was uh, I have a lot of clients who are as one team with one product owner. So we're actually really small organizations, and uh, they don't have that other person to bounce ideas off or whatever. But me as a coach, I do. I, I work with lots of different organizations. So I can get the product owners together from different organizations and have, get them to have an hour together and talk about Their issues and things like that. So great idea.
6: I'm going to just add for the product owner to invest time in in giving the team a context, a vision, whether that's in release planning or chartering the the initiatives. So that uh, maybe bringing in other stakeholders and customers to present the full context of the team, so that people are aligned on the goal. Cool. Well, that's that's
0: bringing us to the end of our topics today. And um, and for the listeners, I'm going to add a few more uh, minutes here of, of kind of insights and, and takeaways that I've got from the, from the conference itself, but I'm going to take this opportunity to thank all of the guests for being here, joining me today, and, uh, and then we're going to head over to the retrospective here. So, so once again, um, from my left to right, Dan, uh, CD, Kelly, Max, Jeff, and Dr. Dave, thank you all for being here and joining me today. Thank, thank, you. thank you for having thank us. Yep. And uh, we'll be right back. All right, so that was the lean coffee that we held on the third day of the coaching retreat uh, during one of the open space sessions. There were seven of us, and as you heard, we had a good time. We really kind of uh, spent the first half or so kind of talking about our own experiences and some of the challenges that we faced being on teams within this, this dynamic of the coaching retreat itself. There were about 70 participants spread out over, I'd say, seven or eight teams. So you're talking about nine participants per team. And we were privileged to have an illustrator join us, uh, Stuart Young, who works out of the UK. He's a CSM, but he's been at a number of these events, and he was on site for the entire duration, uh, tasked with floating around and helping us, helping the teams kind of visualize their message. Uh, he was using his his abilities with his uh, black and blue markers, and writing up these fantastic illustrations on the flip chart paper that we used. And so they're hanging around the rooms where we're meeting, and we're just seeing everyone's project kind of come to life in this other form altogether. So kudos to Stuart. Some really great stuff came of it, and I'll put some links to any of the projects that I have the ability to share in the show notes. So go ahead and check back there. And if you're listening to this in July or August, you might want to come back in a couple of months and, um, and see if there's more links. Everything was shared at the retreat on dropbox or or in the Google Docs area, but that 's not really open to all the public, so i 'd like to have as much of the content shared with the public as possible because really great stuff came out of it so for example, one team was focused on encouraging a culture shift to an agile mindset, and they produced uh, what was in effect an illustration to kind of talk about kind of the collaborative aspects of the mindset. Versus maybe more of a, a siloed or a rigid kind of a way to approach uh, working, and they also made use of Stewart's talents with this drawing. If you think of it as as a yin yang type of a diagram, on the um, on the happy side, <laughs> if we could say that, you have um, you could think of this uh, mindset as as a journey, as being open and honest. Participants are being open and honest. Uh, we look at problems with a diagnostic type of a, an approach. Versus on the other side, it could be more of a destination. We will get there uh, when we get there. And that's not always the case in Agile, because you're always learning. It's this aspect of continual improvements, always trying to find ways to make the process better, more humane, uh, with less waste. And again, on on the darker side, it's the idea of siloed or keeping secrets from, from each other. I possess this knowledge, so so I really derive my power from from having this knowledge, and I give it out, I divvy it out as needed. Uh, we said on the plus side, things are uh, the working relationships are very collaborative um, and fluid. Versus on the other way, the more um, the more old school kind of traditional way of managing, you're uh, you're very rigid. Um, it's very top down. Not so collaborative, but rather it comes from some uh, management or leadership with a very command and control way of thinking in the old school. So those are some of the things that they, that, that group had had proposed as, um, as obstacles that need to be overcome so we can get to a very much more agile uh, mindset. So that culture shift really needs to to take place. All right. Another group was focused on agile engineering. And they called themselves, uh, you know, the Agile Engineering Group. They called this the the other culture change. So, um, so in their uh, in their presentation, their final presentation, they talked not only about coaches and, and product people and, and managers, um, but they really paid attention to um, engineers. So, um, you know, what's what's in it for them when they talk about a culture shift? And for the engineers, it's uh, attention to a career growth path, but also there's there's less pain involved was something that they were very much concerned with and kind of came across a a story that they put it this way they said as an agile coach i'll be damned if teams won't talk about agile technical practices because they are essential to maintain a healthy code base so that's a very strong and powerful statement when you think about the underlying nature of of software development it's people working on very technical problems so paying attention to the craft and the craftsmanship of development is, is fundamental, is what they were trying to get across. And again, they've got uh, photos of their notes. And if I could get some of their uh, more concrete and shareable documents, then I'll happily do that. Um, but really it goes around how do, they, how do they socialize these agile technical practices to inspire motivation at the individual team and system level. Another couple of things I'll share, one is a guidance for agile leaders, and they actually have a website that you can go to if you uh, type in agileleadershiptoolkit.com. Again, the link is on on our show notes here at agilecoffee.com slash episode 33, and you can find their their own um, product that they've created, uh, which is, in a sense, a toolkit that talks about what is leadership, uh, what is agile leadership. Um, So both leadership in general and then agile leadership specifically. And then what are some of the responsibilities of and attributes of an agile leader? And again, they made use of these very excellent illustrations. We had so many terrific projects coming out uh, from the teams. One of them was on the topic of coaching portfolio management organization into a more lean and agile mindset Another one is uh, focused on scaling. They called it You've Been Scaled, which is really excellent. Um, the last one, though, that I'm going to talk about was the one uh, project that I was involved with, and this was uh, what we called the Coaching Dojo. So you're coaching up Scrum Masters uh, to be successful team coaches. And we developed a number of artifacts for that. We had um, we had started off with a list of Scrum Master interview questions. And so um, our product owner actually came into the uh, into the retreat, having already given quite a bit of thought into um, into what what questions they typically ask um, to incoming Scrum masters. So it's broken out into many different attributes. So attributes of like problem solving, confidence, sense of humor, uh, honesty, and ethical uh, behaviors, courage, communications, leaderships. Um, are they articulate? Are they an observer? Do they listen? Are they accountable? Collaboration and on and on. And then it also listed um, a number of questions related to their own experience with facilitation, with education, conflict resolution, uh, leadership, training, teaching, and also nice to have work experiences such as the software development lifecycle, any kind of an IT background, um, or an agile. Agile background and experiences. Um, and then they had different levels of this too. So it was broken into kind of more beginning questions and then uh, kind of a higher level of questions. With that, we, we broke into a couple of small groups on the team. And one of our groups, small groups, uh, came up with the Scrum Master tenets, And then we reviewed them as a full team and and kind of revised them from there before we demoed them to the larger group of participants at the retreat. So the Scrum Master Tenets, and I'm going to read these, and I'll post these on our on the website. They are humility, empathy and human insight, core values and principles, continuous learning and professional development, communication and collaboration, courage, trust, and empowerment, and finally, transparency and visibility. So for each of those, uh, we had a short description. So for example, under humility, we say, we believe... Awesome Scrum Masters are humble, honest, and are able to put personal preferences aside in favor for the good of the team. So we have the seven tenets, which guided the rest of the actions that we we went through for our project. We came up with a black belt levels list. Uh, We said basically there's four levels for us. So um, we said there's an entry level, a level two intermediate, a level three specialist, and a level four expert. And for each level, we kind of defined what that is maybe in terms of how many years or days even of experience they might have and uh, and maybe what kind of qualifications they might have that had got gotten them there. So, for example, the level one, the entry level, you might only have been, um, been a scrum master for maybe 90 days or so, maybe just a short time, maybe up to three months or so. You might have gotten uh, a certified scrum master. Uh, the CSM certification, or attended some kind of a two day fundamentals class so that you could demonstrate some proficiency. You have a bit of agile foundational knowledge, and so we did that for each of the four levels of this kind of belt hierarchy, if you will um, so that was available and then that having that guided us to kind of put together what was called a um, an exercise training plan. We had one fifth artifact. For our project it was it was a prospect pool, kind of where are we hiring these scrum masters from? Do they need to come from project management backgrounds or, or software development backgrounds? Not necessarily, so we came up with some um, some of the attributes again. we listed those out from the original list of interview questions problem solving confidence, sense of humor, and so on, and we came up with some hypothetical careers that might make for good scrum masters like Educators is one category, civil servants like firemen or veterans, uh, artists, food service employees, people from sports, athletes, umpires, referees, uh, people from healthcare, care and uh, small businesses. And for each career category, we kind of did just a real quick pass, like is this a good match, a neutral match, or maybe a poor match for each of the attributes like problem solving confidence and, and whatnot. So that was an interesting exercise to have gone through. And so having done this and produced these five artifacts for our team, we feel that we have investigated the idea of what is a coaching dojo, why do you need to have this prepared, and who would be using it? Who could you look forward to using this with? And it really helps organizations, especially large organizations, when they are undergoing a transformation and beginning to look for new scrum masters, where can they hire and how can they use this guide that we've created to make sure that they're hiring the best and then promoting them and training them as best they can as well. So again, that was a number of, of the, uh, activities that we had created. We had a great time doing so. And, um, and I look forward to going back to another retreat in the future and, and working on another project. I had a fantastic time with my team and, um, and we've been keeping in touch and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to staying in touch with these guys for a long time to come and actually using this product, the uh, the Coaching Dojo Myself, um, in engagements upcoming. So the final thing that I want to leave you with um, relates to podcasting tools and techniques. You heard Kelly bring it up in the Lean Coffee that we had. He had asked about how to go about starting a podcast or recording interviews of of other people, and we talked about it a little bit there, but I want to say that I added my list of equipment uh, most of it anyway, on the show note page down at the bottom you'll you'll scroll down and you'll see some links to Amazon. These are not affiliate links. trust me on that you know, you could click on it and see for yourself um, but it's just simply links to show you the types of equipment that I use as well as some of the um the software and the hosting um, provider and the plugin that I use as well. It's all there all available for you to check out. And if you have any questions at all about um, any of the details about setting it up, feel free to reach out to me on, on Twitter, at Agile Coffee. I'd be happy to, um, you know, get with you, um, hop on Skype or something like that, exchange emails, give you more details. But really, if you're interested in doing a podcast, I wholeheartedly say do it because it's really changed the way that I approach my own personal um, contributions, I guess, to the to the Agile community. Prior to this, I'd been holding meetups, and I'd been working with, um, with local and regional events. But now that I'm podcasting, it really lets me kind of play on another level uh, with the people that I, I see at these events and kind of keep in touch with them and, and follow up with them in different ways, more than just writing blog posts, too. So, Uh, great fun on the topic of podcasts so there are quite a few other podcasts that i listen to and uh, i'm just going to pull up my list here give me a second and i will go ahead and share some of those with you foremost uh, i will say that i listen to what is called the metacast and you can find that if you go to (laughs) meta-cast.com should get you there um, it's Josh Anderson and Bob Galens. They've been doing it for about five years. They've got somewhere over 75 episodes, and uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's just really brilliant. I, I've only discovered it relative, relatively recently. Ryan Ripley of agileanswerman.com actually turned me on to the Metacast, and Ryan himself has a podcast called Agile for Humans. I was on one episode and an upcoming episode as well. We did a crossover Agile Coffee for Humans episode, so stay tuned for that. Um, but Agile for Humans is up to nine or ten episodes now, and it's fantastic. It's great. Ryan reaches out to some really, really good voices in the Agile community and has terrific, valuable, focused discussions on any number of topics that are that are interesting. Um, so check that out. This Agile Life is something that I've listened to often, as is Agile Revolution. Agile Revolution is uh, three podcasters in Australia who, um, who've who been having fun, sharing a bit of mirth in their podcasts as well. Um, and they've been talking about Scrum and Agile and, and Lean concepts for a number of years. They've been doing it for a while. Um, it's great. A really terrific uh, podcast that I've just been... Um, just been introduced to because it's it's relatively new is put out by Amitai uh, Schler. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Amitai has uh, what's called Agile in Three Minutes, and it's a fantastic, very short, very digestible, even poetic um, Agile podcast. Um, quickly rising to um, to among my favorites. Um, the only downside is they're only three minutes <laughs> sometimes I want so much more but uh but really great stuff there so if you go to um, again on my website I'll link to a bunch of these um, but it's literally agile in three minute dot es agile in three minutes is the website um, you'll find it on the show notes here scrum master toolbox is good the agile toolkit podcast is fine and um, and there's a number of other really excellent ones out there if you dig around i'm impressed by uh, and very happy by what Solutions IQ has been doing with their own Get Amped podcasts. So they're at Agile 2015 right now producing great content uh, from really excellent interviews that they do. Um, A lot of it's in video as well as audio. So if you haven't checked those out, um, check that out. And like I said, the more voices out there talking about these topics related to our Agile lives is better and welcome for me. So get out there, create a podcast or, or get interviewed on any of these other podcasts. Pay attention to what's going on in our community and make the community a better place. Well, thanks for listening today to episode 33. This is Victor. I hope you had a great time hearing all about the Scrum Coaching Retreat up in Seattle and getting some of the insights on how to podcast and, and why we do as well. So until next time, enjoy your coffee with friends
1: of fiend.